Hey, good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> I'm not sure how do you go from uh, Easter Sunday, um, you know, in the excitement of, uh, of the message of Easter, you know, we touched on the life of Thomas, or at least what we know of Thomas last week, and now we're back in Exodus chapter 8, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you go from the empty tomb to preaching about frogs. But we're going to make that jump this morning because that's where it's at, right? You know, we got any, do we have any frog giggers in here? Anybody? Frog giggers? Okay, I'm in the wrong church. I'll see that now. Okay, Weston. Okay, I got my one brother back there. Okay, he'll understand then, I guess, uh, the, the delight of frogs, I suppose. So turn with me to chapter 8 of the book of Exodus. Chapter 8, the book of Exodus. I, uh, if I can't see you well this morning, it's not because the lights are turned down. Uh, I had damaged my glasses over the weekend, so I had to go to the old, the old backup pair. You know what I'm talking about? That's about five years old. You know that you've already, you're about two prescriptions removed from those, and so you're seeing things through an altered, uh, uh, and a skewed perception. And with that understanding, let me say to my brother Dwayne, you've never looked so good, Dwayne. You know, so. Uh, Amen, amen, okay, so uh, I'm, I'm trying to navigate, I, uh, you know, it looks like there's some seats empty, but I'm seeing two or three of you, so uh, it's kind of starting to fill in a little bit, so that's a good thing this morning, so I'm, uh, I'll see if, okay, I can make out a couple of you, that's, that's not my wife, who is that, <laughs> no, no, okay, Exodus chapter 8, let's, let's read this, we're going to read, um, a few verses here, and I'm going to explain how we're going to approach the next couple chapters, okay? It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. Good to see you this morning, Ricky. That is Ricky. Okay. Okay. <laughs> If you, ref if you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace, in your bedroom, onto your bed, into the houses of your officials and on your people, and into your ovens and kneading troughs. The frogs will come up on you and your people and all your officials. A plague of frogs. Doesn't really seem that scary, right? Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up out of the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did, did the same things by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for those that remain in the Nile. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said, 
Moses replied, it will be as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will leave you in your houses, your officials, and your people, and they will remain only in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to, to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards, and in the fields. They were piled into heaps, and the land reeked of them. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Let's pray. Father, we bless the reading of your word. We ask, O oh God, for the power of your spirit and the influence of your presence uh, upon the speaker that being myself this morning and the hearer that being my brothers and sisters, that your spirit, Lord, would open our hearts and our minds, Lord, as we communicate the truth of the scripture. God, may we not turn to the left or to the right, but may we, may we, we present it uh, in, in the context in which it has been presented to us this morning. May we be ones who manage and handle your word accordingly, Lord. Having studied to show ourselves approved. Rightfully dividing the word of truth this morning. So Father, we bless your name and we thank you. And it's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Amen. Okay, listen, a little review, right? We got to find out how do we get to the frogs, right? So you go back to chapter 7. The very first plague <clears throat> was the plague of blood. Remember that over the Nile? Remember God uh, communicates to Moses to go out in the morning to confront Pharaoh at the Nile River. Remember this? And he says upon going, you know, there was a time, you know, remember we talked about it being kind of time sensitive, right? There, there was an appointed time. So he goes out there and, he, and, and God tells Moses, be sure to take the staff, which represents the power of God, right? So he goes out there and what ends up happening is there's a confrontation between Moses, Aaron, and Pharaoh. And they communicate what God has said, and then they, they smite the, the Nile, right? And it turns the water into blood. Very convincing. If you and I saw this, it would probably be extremely convincing to you or I. But what ends up happening is the Egyptian magicians, right? They end up through uh, uh, sources that are debatable but we discussed some of those and what they may have been. They performed the exact same act, right? Or a similar act. And a Pharaoh basically gives a rebuttal, rebuke to Moses and resists the request of God, right? Rejects it. And what ends up happening at that moment is that he basically returns to his palace. The people of Israel dig uh, basically wells or, or they seek uh, subterranean sources of water. And we spoke about how we dig our own wells sometimes, even though God has provided Jesus, who is the living water. We sometimes dig out our own wells looking for our own resources. We do that, right? Right? And so that's kind of how the, the scripture ended. Basically, the overview is that Pharaoh resisted. 
even in, in, in light of a miracle of, of this plague of, of uh, turning the, the water into blood. Okay, the very last verse transitions to the very first verse in chapter 8. And this is how it reads. The very last verse in Exodus chapter 7 is verse 25, and it reads like this. Seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. So we understand now, in reading what we're about to read and go over, seven days has passed since that last confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh. You and I have experienced where God has spoken to us about a given matter in our lives, and God has given us time to kind of let that uh, just uh, marinate in our spirits and our minds, right? And there's times in our lives when we act upon what God has said over that period of time. And then there's other times that we've resisted that during that season of waiting. And then God has to act again. That's what we're about to see here. Seven days later. This is what the scripture says. Then the Lord said to Moses, right? Go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Now, for you and me, as followers of Jesus, we're here, right, post-Easter, because we're followers of Christ. These are probably the most important words that you and I need to embrace in our own heart as the guiding factors in our lives, in the decisions that we must make each and every day of our life. And what is that guiding truth? It is this. This is what the Lord says. The decisions you make, the decisions I make, should be directly connected to the truth of God's Word, right? We understand that as followers of Jesus. Well, what did God say about these matters of life? What did God say about these decisions I must make? There should always be the reference, Reuben. What is it that God has spoken regarding these matters that trouble me so deeply in my heart? What is it that God has spoken and that should then give us a sense of direction and guidance on how we're to deal with that given situation. I love what the scripture says in Psalms 119. You'll hear this Psalms quoted many times. It says this. Now listen, this is, I'm going to bless all of you all with this generous word because it's applicable to everyone who sits in, within the confines of the sanctuary this morning because there's no one out there old like Methuselah. Okay, so I want you to take this and say, you know what, Trent called me young this morning. Okay, and Trent is calling, calling you young this morning. This is what the scripture says in Psalms 119.9-12. through 12. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? You may want to claim this as a, are you a young person? We are, right, we're young, right? It actually, listen, this principle transcends age, okay? It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Right? Right? I seek you with all my heart. I do or do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, against God. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. So post-Easter, what should every decision that you and I are making be predicated on? This truth. This is what the Lord says. And so Moses is going and he's delivering this truth 
to Pharaoh. And if Pharaoh had any sense in his mind and understanding of who Yahweh was, he would adhere and listen to what Moses is saying because it's been what? Prefaced by this is what the Lord says. Notice what he doesn't say. This is what I say. Right? Listen. I know I'm the guy up here, and I've said this a thousand times, standing behind the black pulpit, right? This black metal pulpit up here. But listen, you don't have to listen to what I say. As a matter of fact, I'll go so far as to say if, if I'm in error and I'm not rightfully dividing the Scripture, you shouldn't listen to what I say. You should be listening, listening to what the Word says, what God says. You know what I'm talking about, Ronnie? There's so many churches, there's so many people's lives that are broken. There's so many uh, organizations that are disheveled and in shambles because people have, have went to the left or to the right of God's Word, have spoken out of, not out of the, 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 the context of the Scripture, but have spoken out of, out of their own ideology, their own philosophy, their own worldviews, and have absolutely shipwrecked people's lives. We need to know what God, God's Word says, right? That's the most important thing. You as young believers, regardless of how many years you've been following Jesus, the Word of God, the Scripture, should be the foundation of decision-making, not what your preacher says, regardless of who it is, right? This is what he says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. Right? Did you hear that? Let me say this. Everyone who is a follower of Jesus is called to a life of worship. God, I mean, so clearly says, let my people go. And what does the scripture say regarding you and I? That he has given us what? The power to be called what? The sons, daughters, or some translate, the children of God. Right? So we are included as followers of Jesus. When he makes statements such as this, my people, that applies to you. And that applies to me. Right? And this is what he says, let my people go so that they may worship me. Jeff spoke up here. I'm, I'm listening to Jeff up here this morning. I'm like, Jeff, been in my notes. <laughs> Jeff done hijacked my email, my account, my iCloud. He's been in my studies. He's up here and he's talking about our life should be a life of worship. That's what Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, isn't it? This is a very familiar scripture, right? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies or to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. One translation or other translations will read, which is your reasonable service, right? Some of your translations say that, right? Reasonable service. Meaning, considering what God has done, to expect an outcome of, uh, of, of your life being one of worship is a very reasonable thing. Right? That we would live that type of a life, a life of worship. As a matter of fact, the word reasonable that is translated in the Greek in the New Testament is a word logikos where we derive the word logic. And it, it literally means 
logical, rational, and in this context, divinely reasonable. Let me, let me paraphrase this. Logical to God. Meaning, considering God's saying, considering this is what I've done, it's very logical for me to expect out of my sons and daughters a life this is reasonable and logical for me to expect a life of worship to be returned back to me. And that's what he's saying to Pharaoh through the lips of Moses at this moment. Let my children, let my kids go that they might live out this life of reasonable response to me. That is one of logic or one of worship, which is logical to God, right? Right? It isn't incumbent upon Carrie, Taylor, Taryn, Louise, Terry, Gabe, Natalie. Am I leaving anybody else out? Jeff. <laughs> On the front row. Jeff. It isn't incumbent upon them as helpers and participants as our worship leaders and worship team to produce in your life a response of worship. That's not their responsibility. It's our responsibility, not just to come in here and respond in worship, but to go out there and respond in worship. Now let's move on, okay? Let's move on. And this is what the scripture says. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. Listen, when you're reading through this and you're thinking about the God of creation and you're thinking God is about to lay the hammer down on Pharaoh and all of Egypt for the 400 years roughly of slavery and bondage to his children and God's response is, I'm about to get you with a bunch of frogs. Right? I mean, listen, to some degree, if you're the children of, of Israel, if you're the Hebrews, you're like, that's all you got? Frogs? I need fire from heaven. I need lightning bolts. I need, I need, I need something powerful. Frogs? Do you remember last time when we were together, I said one of the things that God is working in each and every one of these plagues is addressing a, a, an idol within the culture of Egypt. That's what he's doing right here, and you'll understand this as we go on. Right? So just hang with me. He said, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. Now the frogs, I want you to get this, the reason that this is happening is there's an Egyptian goddess named Haket, uh, who was often pictured, believe it or not, with the head of a frog in the body of a woman. Basically, she was a frog head. That's what she was. That's the image. Now listen, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I used to go up to a little junior food store. I told these stories. I'd go over, you know what I'm talking about, Ricky? You remember junior food? Kicked out of there more than once, right? You probably were too. I'm not going to say you were, but... I'm leaning in that direction, right? And I remember going over there and they'd have one video game. I knew I shouldn't have been up there half the time. I remember one time they had a video game in there called Satan's Hollow. That should have been a sign, leave this place, right? <laughs> but I remember going up there, they had Donkey Kong at one time. I can't tell you 
I can't tell you how many food stamps I went over and bought a nickel piece of gum just to get 90 cents right and take a quarter and drop in that game. You know what I'm talking about? Straight up, just being honest, I did it, right? And then there was a game up there, Tim, one time. It was called Frogger. Anybody with me? Frogger? Frogger? Uh, who's clapping as though they had a high score? What was your initials? What was your initials? What's your initials? Okay, mine was S-T-E. If you run across a frogger machine with a high score with initials S-T-E, it's Shively, Trey you knew I was bringing it that day. Right? You saw whose name was in there. You were careful putting your initials in there. Now listen, I love Frogger, but if I'm creating a god, an idol, a deity, Man, it ain't Frogger, I can tell you that. I'm not creating a deity, a frog-headed woman. But that's what they did. And you know what, what, what she represented? She represented blessing and multiplication. You know why? Because frogs multiply in high numbers, high volume. And so she was worshipped in this sense. And so God is about to deal with this idol, with this deity within the culture. <clears throat> she was a, a symbol of divine power and a representation of fertility, reproduction. And this is what the scripture says, the frogs will come up on you and your people and all your officials. Right? It says they will come up into your, your palace, your bedroom, under your bed, into your house of your officials, your, on your people, into your ovens, your needed truck, your food, everything. Let me convey this to you guys. There is no avoiding divine judgment when it invades with God's commission. You know what I'm talking about? When God is dealing with you on something, there's no place to hide, man. You can't hide in your kitchen. Frogs are there. You can't hide in your closets, frogs are there. You can't hide in your bedroom, frogs are there. You can't hide in your relationships, frogs are all over your, the people you're having relationships with. I mean, frogs are everywhere. And I'm telling you, let me just say this, make this application in your life. When we're running from God, you can't run fast enough or far enough that God isn't going to be waiting for you when you get to the point that, or to the place that you arrive at. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are long-distance runners, aren't you? I'm a mar I've been there. I've ran like that. Only to get to the place that I was running to from him to find him waiting for me as I'm bent over exhausted. Ronnie, you know what I'm talking about. God done chased you 10, 15 years of your life. You're in a motorcycle gang. You know what I'm talking about. I'm exposing Ronnie this morning. He ain't always been the Jesus plumber. <laughs> Be careful what you tell the preacher over breakfast. I'll out you in a heartbeat, Jack. Right? Right? Love you, Ronnie. <laughs> all right, let's go. It said, the frogs will come up on you and your people and all your officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land, right? But the magicians did the same things by their secret arts, so they also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. 
Did you hear what I just said? Listen, you see, I don't know what Pharaoh's thinking at this moment, right? All right, the first time around, Moses turns the, red, the, the, the Nile into, into, into blood water, right? And what do his uh, magicians do? They make more blood water. And then all of a sudden, there's a plague of frogs, and his magicians do what? Well, I know what to do to impress them. Let's make a few more frogs. Right? Let's see if we can't gather up. A, look, here's five more. There's all, you probably already got thousands, if not millions. So we're going to show how powerful we are, and we're going to make a few more frogs. Now, if I were Pharaoh, I would be saying to them, can you turn the bloody water back to water, and can you get rid of some of these frogs? But the reality is this. When God, when God presses in and God is producing some discipline in our life, you can't stop it. You can't stop the frogs from coming. When God shuts a door, you ain't opening it. Right? And when he opens one, you're not shutting it. And when God's discipline comes... Regardless of what your efforts are, you will not prevail. As a matter of fact, your efforts to try to remain in control or to at least be perceived to be in control will make you look absolutely ridiculous. I remember taking Clark Evans. There was a time Clark Evans was about this tall. This is true. I have photos to prove it. Right? And I remember taking Clark Evans over here to the town mall when, you know, there was actually business over there. And I know I'm going way back. And I remember, you know, you're going to walk around the mall, you go in, you know, back then they had, you know, 15, 20 stores that were relatively busy, had a lot of traffic, you know. And, and uh, when you're walking through the mall, after a while, when you got a little kid who's, who's this tall and he's about that wide, you know, you get tired of packing that kid. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, Clark Evans has heavy bones. Right? And, and I, rem I remember, I remember uh, going into there, and you got that little, uh, his little play area where they had those little carts you push. You know what I'm talking about? It looked like a little vehicle, had a little steering wheel. And you'd drop in a little bit of change and you could rent that thing, you'd bring it back or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? And I'd, I'd grab Clark Evans, I'd throw him in there. One leg hanging out, he's out halfway in. Right? Hang on. And it had the little handle in the back. You know what I'm talking about? And I'd be pushing that cart down through there. Clark Evans sitting in that car. Clark Evans had a steering wheel. Hit, hit left, we're going straight. Hit, hit right, we still going. You know why? He wasn't in control. I was in control. And you know, if I'd had a video, I'd have recorded that. Or, or, I'd have recorded that because he looked kind of silly. He's spinning that thing, spinning it. And that's over straight as an arrow. The reality is, when we want to try to remain in control, we look just about as ridiculous as a little kid. When we look at God behind us and we say, I'm calling the shots, and God's back there like, and we're going hard left, but we're really going straight. We're going hard right, we're going straight. We just look ridiculous. 
And that's what's basically taking place right here. They looked ridiculous. The magicians were doing all this stuff. More frogs. And you can imagine at this moment, there's this great revelation taking place in the heart and the mind of Pharaoh. Think, man, there's something that ain't quite right here. I don't need more frogs. And so Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. Hmm. Sometimes our circumstances, when we realize we're out of control, becomes a generating force by which we initiate a conversation with God, right? Or so we think. And so they summon the voice of God, the representatives of God. So Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. Hmm. Remember what it said in Exodus Chapter 7, verse 1, when the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to make you like a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron will be like a prophet. So he calls on Moses, because he knows Moses is the voice of God in this. He has the ear of God, or at least this God that he does not know named Yahweh. So Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take away, to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. You know what, you know what Pharaoh is saying? Pharaoh saying, this old frog thing has gotten completely out of control. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and concede, and I'm going to seek you out, and I'm going to ask you to intervene on my behalf to pray to this God, Yahweh, who I've rejected up to this point, because now my circumstances are overwhelming my reality. Of me thinking I'm in control. Right? You tracking with me? In my own life, difficulty not from disobedience, but difficulty in general. Now listen, difficulty has been produced in my life from disobedience. I won't say it hasn't. But I will say to you, difficulty will come into your life regardless of whether you're disobedient or obedient. The difference being, when difficulty comes in obedience, you have the company, companionship, and the influence and the power of God working on your behalf. When it comes into your life because of disobedience, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Get right. Right? But I will say this to you, difficulty in my life and the pressure of difficulty in my life, Reuben, has become an ally to my faith. I've said this, I've professed this, confessed this numerous times. I'm not a person who handles easy well. Anybody out there like me? You know, when life goes really easy, you can get really apathetic. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I've, I've used this term many times, we can go into coast mode. You know what I'm talking about? When life is going easy, we have a tendency to go into coast mode. We don't need God as much. Maybe I'm the only guilty one, but Tim, that has a way of working itself out in my life to the extent that I identify this. And when difficulty finds itself creeping in, to the, the corners of my life, I do not curse it, but I actually welcome it because what it does is it then forces me to acknowledge in my own frailty that I need God. 
How then can difficulty be anything other than an ally? And so the difficulty overwhelms Pharaoh. He elicits the, the, the audience with, with Moses and Aaron. And he asked them to intervene. And he says, this is what I'll do. I'll let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs except for those that remain in the Nile. Now you're like, Trent, listen, this is the second plague. We still got eight more plagues. Let me say this to you. The reason we're covering this in the manner in which we are is because there's some things that are going to be redundant that are being exposed in this plague that you're going to see play out over and over. And we'll cover the other plagues in a different manner. But I wanted you to see these things. And if you're like me, you'll see these things and they will look very familiar. He says this. You decide what time. When do you want to get rid of this? Now at that moment, you got frogs going everywhere. You got the individual who has the power to influence the exit of all these frogs. He makes uh, it known to you, you pick and choose when, and I'll, I'll see to it. And Pharaoh's response is this. How about tomorrow? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Hmm. Now listen, odd response. Odd response. Odd response. Right? You see that. But there's a couple reasons he may have responded like that, and I'd like to just give them to you, and you can take them. I can't prove that's exactly it, but we are human. We are very similar. We can kind of work our way through this. He says, let's wait till tomorrow. I'll give, you, I'll give you one idea that may be in play here. Now, this is something that you and I have never heard of. You and I have never experienced this. Okay, so you have a hard time following me on this one. But I need you to travel with me in a graceful manner. I'm just supposing that Pharaoh, in the back of his mind, thought, I'll take this crisis... And in a political manner, I'll weaponize it. Meaning, I can get the word. If I'm deciding when it's going to leave, I'll get the word out that says, I'm going to get rid of these frogs tomorrow. Trust me. I don't really need to get rid of the frogs today because it's not going to benefit me. But if you'll trust me, I've got a vaccine. Oh, I didn't mean vaccination. I'm sorry. I've got an answer for this crisis. And you'll be able to trust me because I'm Pharaoh. You with me? You get this? You see Pharaoh saying, I'm not losing skin in this game. I'm going to manipulate this situation where I'm still going to come out on top winning. Winning. 
right? The other thing is this, and I think this is very reasonable. When a heart that's not really repentant over a given matter and they're forced to conform, they don't let go easy. <laughs> you know, even when God speaks to us, right? And we're not really down with it, but we feel like we're being forced into it, we're being disciplined into it. Sometimes we'll just concede, but our hearts aren't really into it. And man, we're conceding and we're hanging on like this. And God's having to, you know, prior our, 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 our bony little fingers away from the thing that's really destroying us. And I think that's probably something that was happening right here with Pharaoh. So let's do this thing tomorrow. Another night with the frogs. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said, Moses replied, It will be as you say, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. Now, you do notice that when he called, it was Pharaoh who had called Moses and Aaron in. What we don't know at this moment was what that audience looked like. You know, when they had that cabinet meeting, he could have made this deal with them. And no one else knew it. So he could have really pulled that thing off, right? Right? So, and Moses says, and the frogs will leave you in your houses, your officials, and your people, and they will remain only in the Nile. And after Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord. About the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. Moses cried out to the Lord. And the Lord did what Moses asked. What an incredible reality. As followers of Jesus, you and I, understanding the heart of God, his desire to respond to his people. What an incredible reality that God honors the request of mortal men. You know, James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You know what he finishes that verse with? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. And Moses, on behalf of what is perceived the enemy of his camp, cries out and God hears. Maybe God's not hearing because we're not crying out. Maybe God doesn't respond to me, Violet, because I'm not crying out. The frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards and in the fields, and they were piled into heaps, the scripture says, and the land reeked of them. 
The fallout left a stench in the land, didn't it? There are times in my life when that odor, that aroma from past decisions kind of rises back up in my life. Scars, smelly scars. And God may deliver and God may restore, but understand there may be an odor you may carry with you the remainder of your days when we choose to reject the direction, the guidance of God. And that odor just has a tendency to rise up at the wrong time. I've mentioned this. And so when the plague of frogs was over, the stench was left behind. Hmm. And then this is what the scripture says, and this is what I want to point out to you. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a relief, this is the last verse, he hardened his heart. When relief came, he hardened his heart. My mother-in-law uh, called me and she said, uh, Trent, uh, could you come down? I got something going on in, in the archway going from uh, our little uh, foyer in, into our living room. Could you come down and look at it? And so I, being the Bob Vila I am, I strapped on the tool belt. I went down there, I walked in her house, I pulled out my estimate guy, and I, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, <laughs> and I was about to hit her with a bill. No, no, it's my mother-in-law. The stuff you do for free, you better. And so I, I walked in there and I looked in the archway and I saw where the, the <clears throat> latex paint was blistering, had blistered. I began to feel around on the top of the arch and, <clears throat> and, and I, I recognized uh, just by feeling some of the, the drywall had been compromised and was moist, wet, decomposed, just breaking up. So I pulled out my old razor knife and I cut me out of a section about 12 inches wide, about, I don't know, 18, 20 inches long. And I exposed it. And I, I, I saw what looked like some moisture. But it was pretty clear outside, so I couldn't say for sure at that moment. But it was pretty evident there had been some moisture, so I let it air out. And so I, I, I put a little bucket right there, and I, wonder, I wonder if that moisture is still happening, if that is still Still an issue. And so it started to rain. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking to see. Maybe this was a problem that's been resolved over some time. And this was just the, the, the outcome of a, of, a, of a long drip from previous weeks, months, maybe. And so I'm sitting there. I got this plastic bucket right there. I hear a doop. Water hit me in the back of the head. Kind of thing. <laughs> You look at and all of a sudden I see this water dripping through. Water dripping through. Go in there say, hey, Kathy, looks like you got a leak. That's what's caused this problem. She said, oh, no, my problem is a leak in the roof. I said, no, your problem is rain. I said, if it stops raining, we won't have to worry about the leak. I said, I'll just mud that thing back up and we'll move on. Just don't let it rain. 
But I knew that wasn't going to solve the problem. It was just, I'd be back dinner in another month and I'd be cutting out the same drywall, right, Dwayne? And replacing it. So we begin begin to do some investigative exploration in the attic and on the roof and at the exhaust flue and in the gutters and in the flashing and in the fascia board, looking under everything, resealing this, resealing that. Took a long time to try to rectify this, to identify this. What happens in our lives is there's things that take place or have taken place, unresolved issues, and it produces a damaging leak in our lives, and we all have a tendency to leak, and we cut out that damage section. We identify that water's getting in somewhere in our lives. There's a destructive element getting in somewhere in our lives, but it's too much work to crawl up into the attic of our spiritual house. It's too much work to tear up the shingles. It's too much work to reseal things. And so the moment that the rain stops, we look at our lives and say, well, there is no leak. Everything is good. And then the next rain in your life exposes the condition to be the same. And then we hurry back in, we put the bucket back down, we catch the excess water, and when that bucket fills up, we empty it and bring it right back. It's how we do in our relationships. We got issues going on in relationships, we put a bucket right there, we, catch the, we, we just catch all the overflow of the issues, and instead of resolving it and really mending the relationship, we just empty it, bring it right back as quick as we can before too much damage is done, and we just allow it to fill right back up. And as long as the rain is coming, it's a serious thing. But the moment relief is found, just like it was found in Pharaoh's heart, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. The leak isn't fixing itself, man. Not in your life and not in my life. If there's a spiritual contaminant in our lives that is dripping into our life, regardless of how intense the flow is, that constant drip will do destructive things in your heart, in your life, in your relationships, and it will require you, you, to listen to God and to do some deep investigative explorations into your own heart and your own being to deal with the issue at hand. It isn't enough to pray for good weather because it rains on the just as well as the unjust. The water's coming, man. And if you don't fix it, if you don't allow God to fix it, if you don't allow God to stop it, each day that goes on, the destruction and damage is only intensified. 
But it's so much easier to sit back and just say, I'm just going to wait for it to quit raining. It's not going to take as much air. I can just throw this stuff out and then just catch more of it. You know what I mean by that, right? You know, your marriage is kind of on a rocky place. You buy the roses, you buy the chocolate candy. Well, she does. I don't know. Maybe it goes the other way. A lot of things changing. You kind of hit that, that sweet spot. You know what I'm talking about? And you think, you know what? This leak thing's resolved itself. We, we filled that leak with chocolate. Then all of a sudden, that next storm comes. And man, it's worse than ever. And then you go into crisis, fix-it mode. And then relief comes, and you're like, ah, it's all right. And then the next crisis, crisis, fix-it mode. Then relief comes, oh, it's all right. And that's what Pharaoh does. Pharaoh, you see what I'm talking about looking really familiar? That's pretty familiar, isn't it? Crisis, a step back, crisis over, done. Forget it, forget it, God, forget it. That's what he says. That's what the scripture says. We're closing right here. It says this. But when Pharaoh saw there was relief, he hardened his heart. That's a word we've used before in the Hebrew, kabad. And it means heavy. Remember that? We used that? Remember it means heavy? But Samuel Driver, an old school theologian, says this regarding that word. He adds that kabad stresses the will as being slow to move, hardened, slow to move, unimpressionable, slow to be affected. When Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord said. And it's slow to be affected. What about you? When I read this stuff, and I know I'm going to be presenting this stuff to you, man, this stuff chews me up, man. Monday through Saturday getting ready, man, it chews me up. You know what I mean, Gabe? I mean, it literally chews me up, brother. I have to sift myself through every bit of this. And many times I am found wanting, Reuben. So when I share it finally on a Sunday morning, I ask just reasonably, considering my own state and own condition, what about you? What about you? Probably one of the, the saddest things I've ever seen or ever see in the life of believers is when I see someone who's been really intense for God slowly fade. Slowly fade. And you watch it happen and it's demoralizing. You can't make decisions for them. You want to rescue them. You want to climb up in their own attic, their spiritual house, and you want to look for their leak. You want to seal it. But you don't have access to their attic. 
And you watch from a distance, they'll just completely leak out. And their hearts grow heavy, hardened, and they're no longer affected. And they just dismiss God and they move on, man. Move on, move on. Pharaoh, like you and me, heard God's word, saw God's works, and still said no. Still said no. I'm going to ask you to stand with me just for a moment where we dismiss. With your heads bowed just for a second, just for a second. God dealing with some matters in your life. God dealing with some matters in your heart. He dealing with that leak. You know, you may be that person you're, you're saying, Trey, I'm afraid to get up in the attic. I'm afraid of how many leaks I'm going to find. I'm afraid I've got a waterfall in my attic. I'm afraid if I climb up in that attic to deal with the leaks in my own heart and my own life, I might drown up there. So I just choose not to even go up there. I subscribe to the bury my head in the sand theology. Well, what you don't realize is Your leak isn't just affecting you. Your leak is affecting other people. It's affecting your marriage. It's affecting your job. It's affecting your friends, your children. And at some point in our lives, out of our love for God, we've got to muster the strength and confidence and the courage to climb up in those confined places and to dig out wherever the leak is coming from, and to deal with those matters. We've got to do it. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask Carrie to just come, and this is only going to last a minute. She's just going to play. We're going to open these altars. You want to deal with some leaks this morning? You want to deal with some issues regardless of whether a crisis has taken place or not? The crisis may have exposed the issue. Now the issue is known. With the help of God, the encouragement of his word, the power of his spirit, and his love for you and me, let's deal with it. Let's deal with this. Let's deal with this. You got the strength to climb up in that attic this morning?
it can get a little nasty in there. I'm telling you, it can get a little nasty in there. But man, you've got to get in there. You've got to do it. Otherwise, you're going to be living a spiritual life and just transferring buckets the rest of your days, emptying out the excess, never really being healed and whole. So since I can't climb up in your attic and fix that for you, I've got my own attic to deal with. Then I just leave this opportunity open to you around these altars as access points into your attic. Now I don't know if you guys, how many of you guys have been in any of these old houses where they've had these uh, entry points into attics. The entry point that I accessed the other day was probably 16 inches wide, 16 inches long. It was a square. And I remember popping that top off. I knew I had to get in that attic. I had to get in there. I had to look. And I thought, man, I'll never fit in that. I can't get through that. That's too small. And that's how it is in our life sometimes. We think, man, I can't get in there. It's just too t- It's too much. It's easier to look at it and just give up on it. But man, you know the leak must be stopped. And I made the effort to get through that small opening. Man, it was so much easier than I thought it was going to be. I got up in there now. It was a little nasty in there. But it was necessary. The enemy wants to discourage you this morning. He's making you think, man, that's a tight fit. You don't want to go in there, man. There's no getting out. You go in there, you ain't getting out. And I'll say to you, you go in there, you're not getting out the way you went in. You're getting out better. (laughs) You're getting out better, man. You're getting out better. So this is your time, your moment. Would you respond to God this morning? In Jesus' name, cheers.